Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Craig, Superintendent of West Aurora Schools, and welcome to Episode 30 of the West Aurora 129 Podcast. Our guest today is in his 24th year in education, but his first year in School District 129. He currently serves as the Assistant Principal for Teaching and Learning at Jewel Middle School, Mr. Pete Martino. We thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. We've got a variety of really fun questions, I think, and really want to get uh, our audience, our community to get to know who you are um, in the West Aurora School community. So if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, probably something we can't read in a resume, and then what brought you uh, to a career as an educator? I am from Bensonville, Illinois, which used to be um, a lot larger, but I believe it got eaten up by... O'Hare Airport, Airport, east (laughs) east of uh, Irving Park Road. A lot of my friends and folks I grew up with uh, essentially got eminent domained um, right out of Bensonville. So I'm a product of Fenton High School. The best way for me to describe Bensonville and Fenton High School is probably demographically a small version of Aurora. Mm. So raised by Italian immigrant um, father who came here when he was 13. So everybody from my father's side is from Italy moderately large uh, group of cousins and things like that. And my mother is Italian, um, second generation, and they grew up in Chicago. So lots of good food in the family, I would guess. I would say it it was a normal upbringing in terms of food. I, f- I thought that it was a normal upbringing when you were raised in an Italian family. You think that, um, that eating all of those things, like on Thanksgiving, you're going to eat lasagna, you're not going to eat uh, turkey, sure. and you're going to eat all these uh, things that now I know are odd, but were not odd at the time. It was but just I, family, right? It was just family. Now, I would say my mother also, I was unaware, she has uh, always been really cognizant of our health. So she really just made uh, pretty simple meals throughout, which I think has influenced me to try to be really health conscious uh, as I've gotten older. Makes sense. Makes sense. So what... Uh what encouraged you or kind of nudged you towards a career as an educator? Well, uh, I, was, I thought that I was going to be a professional football player, and that certainly didn't um, pan out. I am on a great day, 5'11", 220, and that, that just did not do it in the end. I think I was always a naturally good uh, English language arts student, uh, although I don't think I was a particularly strong student growing up. Education was not something in my house that was tracked or encouraged. It was more or less something that uh, you did, but you were to go to work. And all of my uh, extended family is uh, in the trades. Sure. So my sister and I were the only two that inevitably went to college out of everybody. I think I gravitated toward, once I gave up, I went to Elmhurst College, and that was a kind of sad uh, football experience for me. And I think by maybe year two or three, realized that I was part of a very untalented organization who didn't care that much about football. Now, this is 1996-ish. Okay. Uh, You're so, at the Olympics. Yeah. And I, I slowly started to wrap my head around needing to do something else. Super interested in psychology, super interested in um, things of that nature, but probably too lazy at that time to go through and get my all of the degrees that I needed in order to do those. <laughs> so I think I defaulted to... Uh, being at a teacher school, and I wasn't necessarily even aware of that, I ended up uh, majoring in English secondary education because I was good at it. So it became 
something that I, I thought was easy for me to do. Sure, it was in your wheelhouse. Yep. I find I, I chuckle because when you say self self described, I was too lazy to go get some of these other pieces that uh, may have fit into my interest path. But uh, for sure, kind of default a little bit. So this, I'm sure you've gotten this several times. Um, you, as I as I shared earlier, this is your 24th year in uh, in your education career. What brings you to West Aurora District 129? It's a great question. West Aurora is a place that, so in working at West Chicago for the last 20 years, I have always been around Aurora. I had coached at West Chicago. We had played against West Aurora. I had been um, to some of the events. And the more I became exposed to uh, West Aurora, the more I became intrigued by it and the more I watched it. Inevitably, what made me realize that it was something I needed to do was um, family and people. So West Aurora is, I always judge a, a school district by how many uh, people come back, how many alum mm. work for that district, sure. how many kids come back and attend their events. And in Aurora, the answer is, it feels like everybody. And I, I can't tell you how much I love the community feel and the, the connection that people feel to the school and the school district, and, and it's, it's almost everybody. I don't uh, have anything negative to say about West Chicago, but that, is not, that was not my experience at um, West Chicago High School. It's uh, kind of a commuter campus where people come, get what they want, and they kind of go. Yeah, move and on. they don't necessarily stay. Yeah. Um, and the more I was around Aurora, the more I saw second generation, third generation, fourth generation, neighborhoods, people, buildings named after, you know, the legends of Aurora, people coming back and giving a massive amount of money to build football fields and stadiums and things like that. And I can't even begin to tell you, uh, as I've gotten older, how much that kind of stuff matters to me and how much I want to be a part of that wow. kind of stuff. I, Gino, uh, my oldest, um, class of 23, and I joke that... Um, when he does come back, and he will come back, I want him to be the next Neil Orman. I want him to be the one that donates and they name stuff after. Sure. Speaking of a legend, he just threw that one out there with Neil Orman. Yeah. Uh, Neil's been around for a long, long time and, and uh, makes an impact on a lot of our programs and a lot of our kids. It's so impressive. Yeah. I can't even... I can't even begin to tell you how much I admire that guy. Yep, he's uh, talk about uh, paying it forward and giving it back. He yeah. uh, was certainly um, acknowledged. And I, my next question is probably kind of blends back into it. But um, you know, you talked about your experience in West Chicago. It was a high school. It was a pretty finite uh, body in terms of nine, twelve, one building. That community. Uh, we're in twenty-three buildings, eighteen different schools. Uh, just a lot more bodies in general. And I think I, I asked you about when we have our kickoff of day one of all of our staff in one place. And it's, it's quite a spectacle. Uh, we're really proud of what we put on. But I'd be interested to hear your impressions um, so our listeners can hear your thoughts about what's been your experience so far and your impressions of our school district from an employee piece and not just that, that sideline that you've had that you showed earlier. Sure. The... Um the kickoff, I, I liken uh, in my mind to almost being in like a stadium. So um, there's, there's a show element to it. There's a TED Talk element to it. There's a performance element to it that 
is extremely unifying. So I was not familiar with that um, going from a smaller uh, single high school to a, a massive unit. However, it did not have a massive unit feel. It mm. had a family feel, which va- it's just more validating. And of course, I'm going to I'm going to say I'm right because I want to, val- <laughs> want to validate my own thoughts, but, and it feels like a community. It feels like a togetherness. It feels like everybody's pushing in the same direction uh, together. There's a, a, a student performance element to it. There was staff, there were politicians, and everybody necessarily came together to do and celebrate the opening of school. It's just, for me, it, it was r- extremely um, validating to what taking the, I felt like a risk that I was taking to, to move districts so Absolutely. late in my career. Absolutely. So we're in week six or seven of school. So you've, you've transitioned back to the middle school um, after a, a pretty long stint at the high school level. Uh, but what's been your impression of our district? And, um, and I won't ask you to out Jewel, but just talk about your middle school experience and then coming to our district in terms of an employee now. When I started teaching middle school, uh, in 1999, there was no Common Core curriculum, and there was no um, continuity to what you did in a school. I was uh, fresh out of college. They handed me a list of um, books and some materials, and they said, go get them, you bet. T- Tiger. And I was in Wheaton at the time, and I definitely tried to figure my life out. I taught a language arts block, and I really did uh, enjoy that, but the amount of testing and the amount of um, curricular focus did not exist. So, and obviously technology has helped us uh, catch up with that. So I would say from a teacher aspect, from when I started in 99 uh, and so many years later, I, w- I would say that it, education as a whole has gotten its act together. It's gotten much more mm. organized and it's gotten much more technologically advanced to the point where you can help uh, assess and diagnose uh, deficiencies and kids that are gifted and put them in their appropriate place. And I think that's a pretty exciting development over time. I would say from the kid aspect, kids are kids. However, now more than ever, it's uh, a focus on mental health, anxiety, and things like that that didn't necessarily exist at all in from 1999 and beyond. I think that is a relatively uh, new focus. I also think um, now kids have a ton of access to information, good or bad. And then it's the educator and the parent's job to try to help them navigate that amount of information. I think that's a real key point that um, way back in the day, uh, the the instructors used to be the font of information. And now, as you say, technologically, kids can access information across the globe. And it's our responsibility to provide some facilitation, prompt mm-hmm. questions, inquiry, um, and then how do we help them discover and interpret what that information means and applies to the world. So you talked about the kid aspect, and previously you mentioned your oldest, uh, Gino, um, accomplished uh, human being, accomplished athlete, accomplished student. And uh, you and your wife, who also was an employee in the district, made a concerted decision to come into the West Aurora District in terms of where you live so your kids could access the West Aurora schools. Personally, I'm going to ask, what prompted you to make that decision? I have a lot of answers to that question, and it's very near and dear to me. I think that your children's school experience is probably the single most uh, formative thing that you can provide for them. 
I think when they were growing up, they were going, and I don't uh, want to bag on the St. Charles schools at all. They do a lovely job. However, because of my upbringing, because of my uh, wife's upbringing, because of what I wanted for my children, St. Charles could not provide what I was looking for in terms of creating a really successful adult that uh, knew how to grow among diversity and knew how to become a great student and somebody who can participate in so many great programs and be acknowledged for who they could become. The more I went to Aurora events, the more I went and saw the band, the more I went and saw the football team, the more I went to a basketball game, the more I fell in love with what I thought Aurora could provide for my children that almost no other school district could. And I didn't feel like they were getting anything out of their school experience. And I think we would take them to events and they were they were in awe of the things that were going on in Aurora because everything is just bigger and better in a lot of ways. And it's uh, so big and it's so much better because of the amount of participation. And that's something I wanted to provide for my kids. I wanted to provide a place that you can become anything you want it to be, whether it is you wanted to go to the Ivy Leagues, or you wanted to become an underwater welder, Aurora can do that for you. And that's super important to my wife and I, because I'm definitely a micromanager of my kids' future, but not in the way that you might think. I Not in a limiting way. No, yeah. in a, um, I try to really subtly direct most things they do so that they can maximize what I perceive their talents to be. Sure. I'm also not the type of parent that says, oh, well, you know, Gino didn't uh, like to play football, so I'm going to let him choose what he plays when he was seven. I don't, I'm not the type of person that's going to let my seven-year-old make decisions that I think are not good for sure. for them. So, so, so much for the subtlety. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of, I definitely have a lot of opinions about that, for sure. In the end, I, I believe that uh, West Aurora School District and very clearly I believe this, was so impressive to me and had everything that I wanted for my children that I picked up and moved my entire family so that we can benefit from all the things that were happening here. Um, and obviously so that I can also, not that I needed to prove that that's not lip service, I, I took my own career and I moved it to Aurora because I believe in what's going on in Aurora so deeply. And I think you made three really big banner statements um, from what you feel the environment here does for your own children, from a, an aspect of moving your household to access those opportunities within our district, and then from a professional perspective, you put your money where your mouth was. And um, that was very evident. And it's something that as you hear this through this podcast, uh, those are some banner statements, and we believe strongly as well about what our district provides, and uh, appreciate you um, putting your stamp on that. I'm going to ask you from a parent perspective um, some advice that you might give. You just shared some of your thoughts about approaching kids, but we've seen, especially as kids move from elementary to middle to high school, uh, parents tend to go more hands-off. You know, as they become teenagers and then high school kids, they don't need me around as much. We posit differently. We think we need them more. So how would you as a parent advise other parents to actively engage in their children's school lives to be more richly appreciated in what we offer here in West Aurora? 
think um, Aurora has a lot of opportunities for parent involvement. One of the larger ways I think parents can and should get involved is through a sports booster mm. or um, something where they can be an adjunct to supporting the activities, clubs, or sports that their children are doing. Good booster club right there. L- a little uh, <laughs> shout out for the boosters. But in all honesty, the, la- the last thing I think a parent should do is go and solve their kid's um, problems and issues if they're having uh, an issue with a teacher. I don't necessarily think the parent should reach out to the teacher. I think that the first thing they should do is have the child reach out to the teacher and try to work it out that way. I've done that with my own children when they come home and say, you know, I, I so-and-so make up, make up work. This isn't fair. That isn't fair. The best thing a, par- a parent can do is, is help their kid become more and more independent uh, academically. And by the time they're in high school, the parent I don't believe should be terribly involved in uh, the day-to-day operation of what's going on in their classroom. I do think it would be uh, incumbent on parents to make sure that they are uh, attending all of their kids, encouraging the kids to get involved in things at the middle and high school level. So watching their games, going to their um, club activities and things like that. I think those are good positive ways for parents to get involved. And then if they do have questions or concerns, the high school and the middle schools have a ton of support services that they can access and, and reach out to and should so that their kids can feel supported. And I, and I appreciate um, that's, and that's great advice, and I hope people um, hear that, that, uh, that encouragement of, of participation and access uh, because I think we're pretty, pretty transparent. Uh, you know, a lot of folks, as, as you are now as an administrator, you go to those events and you see those parents, if there's a question, just, hey, let's, let's have that discussion. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk a little bit uh, historically. You know, there's, there's lots of misrepresentation. There's lots of those, those hot button items uh, that have come to the forefront uh, through the political schemes through our board meetings, um, a lot of those really came to light during uh, the pandemic. What are some things that you think parents should know about public education in general? And maybe you can dial that back to what are some things that parents should know about Jewel Middle School? Sure. I can put on a, a commercial and talk about public ed for hours because public education has access and can provide things for kids that private education couldn't potentially ever touch. Public education can give you a dual credit Calc 3 course, and it can also give you, create an, a, a, a kid who becomes a mechanic and can own, own his own body shop someday. Public education can extend and, and offer you anything and everything you ever wanted for your child in whatever avenue they want. Private education cannot do any of those things. They're just essentially a prep school for whatever five colleges that you perceive are, you know, top tier for your kids. But a public education can do that in spades also. And in a lot of ways, I'll go back to Gino really quickly. Gino got into, I think, a pretty prestigious college. I don't think he gets into that college if he doesn't go to school in Aurora. I think it's attractive for elite colleges to um, find kids in public education and give them opportunities. He also was in a, a high-level math class with two kids that went to the Ivies. Schools like West Aurora and schools uh, and you know Jewel that will feed into it can help when your kid is struggling because they have a full battery of uh, support services that private schools cannot provide your kid. Sure. And then they're going to have a pretty high-level 
academics for kids that are talented and gifted as well across the board at Jewel, as well as at the other middle schools that will feed into the AP and honors courses at the high school. We just, the district has so many offerings for whatever your kid would ever want to do, whether they want to sing or dance or play an instrument, they have everything you want and they have it at a level that can get you whatever it is you want from it. And that, I think, going back to your your previous questions, is what makes Aurora better than most other places. They are good at almost everything in terms of like, we, we have kids that get athletic scholarships, we've had national players of the year, and we've also had, I know, kids in the East Coast doing uh, underwater welding and making uh, a, a great living doing but, that kind of thing. And Aurora does all that stuff. Privates can never do that. Yeah, we've got, we've got kids uh, going to Notre Dame and kids going to community colleges, walking the halls, and uh, they, don't even, they don't even compare those notes. They just know that's their preference. No, and there's something for everybody. Yeah. And in between, there's all this support programming for kids when they slip up. And that is a, a hugely important. Well, you have a, a unique lens as a parent and a professional um, and so great insights, and I'm hoping that parents hear that. And John Q. Public, to have an appreciation, um, taxpayers uh, of our school district, that, that what we do is not just carrying on. We, we're building good human beings as well. And so I appreciate your comments. I'm going to ask you a really, really big picture question, and that's about um, I'll sit back as, as superintendent but also as a fellow educator. How would you counsel us as public educators to improve what we do and what we offer for our students in our community? I think uh, the most important thing administratively is to be very selective and very careful about what you're following, what you're purchasing, what you're doing that inevitably can become a flavor of the day. I don't think if you're trying to access things that people are selling you as the golden goose that's going to change student behavior or the be-all, end-all for student tracking so that you can diagnose their academics, I think schools in general have to be very careful about just purchasing platforms and purchasing things that they believe are going to fix the problem. I do think it's important administratively to make certain that you're keeping things simple enough that you can stay doing the, the things that are best for kids daily, weekly, yearly, so that it's a, it's a simple game. If you care about kids and if you care about their well-being and you are t- trying to take care of the adults, it, it can be a simple game. And I think a lot of times educators are looking for the next big thing Absolutely. to try to, to fix it all and fix it all fast and easy. And I don't think... I think sometimes uh, educationally our efforts go in the wrong direction. The other thing that observationally I genuinely worry about and my advice to educators now is I think teacher burnout is terrifying and I think it's a very real thing. Hmm. And it's counterintuitive. Teachers and administrators inevitably they stay doing the same things because it's comfortable and because they're set and because it, it, it can become easy for them. However, as a victim, I think myself of, you know, making really deep grooves in a couch and sitting on it, the best thing you can do in a lot of ways is make yourself uncomfortable as education evolves, change things that you're doing in your career so that you can stay fresh. Because if you do not do that, you, you become unhappy and you become sub, subconsciously unhappy to the point where 
you've been repeating yourself so long you don't know how to say or do anything else. So I do worry about teacher and administrative burnout as time goes on. The, the advice is to try to change things as much as humanly possible so that it, it can you can and it can remain fresh for you. So get out of that rut whenever you can. You got to. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate our dialogue today. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Um, thank you for sharing your family. And thank you for sharing your, uh, your craft of your trade educationally with our um, Jewel Middle School and with our West Aurora School District. We're glad you're here. Thank you for sharing your time here today and your wisdom. We, we really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Please remember that you can find us wherever you can get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and the TuneIn Radio app. Thank you much, and we'll talk to you next time.